Hello everyone, welcome to Ubi Est Mia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with former Chicagoan, current Los Angeles resident, Joe McAdam. Joe McAdam is a very, very funny human being, and we talk about how funny he is. I want to make it very clear that I like Joe McAdam, and some of the mean things that I said were in jest. And he's a very funny man who I encourage you to check out online. There are lots of links included in this podcast description. Before we begin, I just want everyone to know that we will be, well, not we, I will be back in Chicago on Thursday, May 26th to host You Meet Them Everybody Live at the Hungry Brain in Chicago, Illinois. You Meet Them Everybody is the other talk show podcast that I host. On this episode, it'll be at the Hungry Brain 2319 West Belmont. My co-host for that show is Esmeralda Leone, who you might hear on this very radio station every Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Without further ado, here's Joe McAdam. Do you hear all the cars on my end? I do not hear any of the cars on your end. Oh, this is great. That's perfect. There's like, I'm walking down uh, Santa Monica Boulevard and there's just a shitload of cars. Why are you walking down Santa Monica Boulevard? Yeah, it's a little exercise. You're, you're walking down Santa Monica Boulevard at 9.18 a.m. for a little exercise. You know, get out of the house and stretch the bones. <laughs> you know. Are you trying to be a stereotype of a struggling Chicago comic? <laughs> In Los Angeles. Um, yeah. No, that's the deal. I'm wearing a tank top, too. It's all there. Are you really wearing a tank top? 100%. Every last detail. I did this right. we method after. All right. So you quit your job this week. Yeah, I just quit my job. It's, it's, it's over. What was your job? Um, it was a, uh, it's like work. It was working for like a, uh, like a startup app thing. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. They made me sign one of those things. Non-disclosures. It, it, it sounds exciting. It's, uh, it is so noisy on, on the whole Santa Monica Boulevard here. Why did you, you knew we were doing this. Why did you take a it's, walk? And <laughs> it's okay. Here's why. It's the closest street to my house and it's on the way. I'm headed right now to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which I figured would be the quietest place. Are you okay? Stop. Are you doing this as a bit because you knew we were doing this, or is this like part of your daily routine? It's not a bit. I'm just going to the cemetery because it's going to be the quietest place near my house. I'm thinking, like, what's quiet? And now I'm just going to be, oh, there's people having a funeral. (laughs) 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 What, What color is your tank top? It's white and it has, it's the beer logo on it. Probably the least appropriate for a funeral. It's not funeral day. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Um, we've been doing this show for about a half a year now, and I've been doing the other talk show for over six, seven, I don't know. Bush was in office when we started. You make me Rest laugh harder. What's up? Rest in peace, George W. Bush. <laughs> you, you make me laugh harder than any other comic that's ever been on the show. Oh, come on. Well, I don't know if I'm laughing at you or with you. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, uh, we're just laughing. <laughs> I think that's good enough. All right. So, um, a lot of people in Chicago know you from what you did with the late live show and what you did, uh, with a bunch of different, uh, in terms of stand up. Well, that's a horrible phrase. What you did in a bunch of terms of stand up. <laughs> I know you through stand up. Yeah. And everyone that seems to know you seems to really like you and gravitate towards you because you 
you, you're like a, a relatively stable man with a wife that uh, seems to try really hard. Yeah, you know, it's 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 hard having a wife and doing comedy, but uh, you know, if your wife is pretty chill, it's great. How chill is your wife on a scale of one to ten? Oh, I mean, like the chillest person I think I've ever met. I'm, I've basically we've moved a couple times for whatever I wanted to do. This has shown really no signs of payoff, <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, we'll we'll do that." Uh, so she's, she's, she loves it. She's in on this, you know? Um, but <laughs> I don't make money, you know? So, so that's a pretty, pretty chill lady right there. Now, a lot of your friends do make money doing this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you think is, uh, the difference between your friends that are, have uh, successful and healthy careers in yourself? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I I would say. Uh, do you hear that? There are peacocks <laughs> in this cemetery screaming at me. <laughs> I think that uh, my my friends that are, have more success probably have more marketable skills than I do. Uh, I think that would probably be the answer. I don't, I, the things that I want to make, uh, as I'm going on, I'm realizing it's really nobody else likes this. <laughs> like five, six people like it. And that's good for me. It makes me happy. But that's not like you're going to be on television. What, what do you want to happen? Well, I mean, probably to be on TV would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I would like to have a job, but really what I want, what I would truly want, I just want like enough money to not have to work a desk job or, you know, deliver food or something. That's it. I don't need to be, I don't really need to be on television. As an unemployed man in his thirties, wearing a tank top and currently walking through the cemetery without a job or future prospects, what's your next mm, move? Yeah. Well, I'm probably going to hit up uh Joy Ramone's grave this year. I'm going to hit that up. I think, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I, I got, I got, I got, I got irons in the fire, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to do stuff. I got, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to make a pilot right now. I've been working with my friends. I made one a couple of years ago for, uh, like just independently and put it in the New York TV festival. And then it did well, but then not, not a whole lot came out of it. Like I don't have a job because of it. So. Try that again? I don't know. Maybe that's stupid. <laughs> Matt, uh, let me interrupt here. You won that festival. The uh, the comedy division, whatever, yeah, best comedy. So the fact that you won a festival and then nothing came of it, it's got to be really disheartening. Well, it's not nothing. I mean, I don't know. It, it helps people. It, it's, it's one of those things I feel like where just doing one thing doesn't mean anything, you know, like, People would be like, oh, they, they took meetings for it and stuff like that. And then we ended up doing a web series for IFC based on that. And then, but then it's like, okay, cool. And they're not, people are knocking down our door. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just like you keep doing more stuff. And then eventually one of these things will stick forever and I'll be a millionaire. The confidence in your voice is just astounding. A millionaire? <laughs> 
Um, I've, I really, really enjoyed that web series. Um, I don't want to give away the joke, but is the one with the button the last episode? Um, it involves wait, wait, a coat and a button. Oh, that one. Oh, um, I think we probably put that one at the end. Okay. But yeah, I, I, that one's not one you want to open with. Um, if you yeah, like, that's if a good you one. like that was, me yeah. at all, if you've listened to this show and have liked anything I've said, I would start with that episode because that was uh, so laughed so hard I cried, and I showed it to everyone else in the office, and we also uh, really heard our insides with your joy that you brought us. Um, so you're really, really great, and what you do is so not marketable. I know, right? I mean, what can you do? But I'm not going to – I don't know. I, I I have a lot of – I see so much comedy all the time, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I can definitely tell that that's going to be on TV, and this will not. Yeah, but what you do <laughs> – I, I mean, I, listen, I'm I, developing an eye for this. <laughs> Did you ever think about becoming a manager? Uh, that doesn't sound good. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'll do it. Fine, <laughs> talk to you. <laughs> um, one of your most recent videos is you do your Google. I, I don't like. I want people to watch all of these bits. They're all on YouTube or something that you could stream online. Because I I want it to be clear that I'm not just calling a random man and making fun of him. I genuinely like what he does. Yeah, no. Put some links in this. You know, put him put a link in this thing. I'm gonna put a lot of links in here because your most. Up, I think yeah. it was at Nerd Melt. I don't. Whatever it was at one of those uh, comedy clubs that seat thirty people, but it's are considered a big deal across the United States. And you had a googly eyes bit, and on paper this does not sound funny at all. But in reality, it's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've seen. In tw- it was twenty sixteen, right? It was pretty recent. I think that I did that at the very end of last year. I think it was at the end of twenty fifteen. Do you think that maybe by not having to correct uh, details like that that didn't need correcting is why you don't have a full time job in Los Angeles? Hey, no, I do know. It was it was during the uh, World Series. It was right before the World Series. God damn it! It was right right when the Cubs got uh, swept by the Mets. Uh, <laughs> and I, cause I I remember cutting out part of my set where, um, you know, Joe Kilgallen, host of uh, he does the Comedians You Should Know show out here, and friend of everyone. He's a great guy. I'm he uh, we he's a big Cubs fan, and I'm a Royals fan. And so I the first chunk of my set that night was just making fun of the Cubs because. I don't care about the Cubs at all, and everyone else does. <laughs> Again, the bad, you know, the, those choices that lead to like, hey, why are you making fun of the Cubs? <laughs> People like them. But I made some jokes about the Cubs. Uh, so I remember that set, and that, so it was definitely during, like, right before the World Series. Can we talk a little seriously for a minute, or is that just stupid? No, we can 100% talk seriously. I'm good at that, too. You met your wife in high school or college? High school. Do you think you would be at the place you're at without her, or do you think you'd be even doing comedy? Um, man, I don't know. I think I might be, uh, I'd probably have like that level of alcoholism where you just aren't functional and you don't go anywhere. (laughs) You know, like, because starting doing comedy in Chicago, I definitely would have probably... Well, okay, I, I think I would have done that. I would have moved. I, I'm from Kansas City, and so I would have made that move to Chicago to try comedy because that's always been what I wanted anyway. But without her around, I think I would have been just sucked into a black hole of, like, deadbeat comics drinking themselves to death. So having a wife really helped. 
Was she the one that said, hey, it's time to move to Los Angeles? No, that was me. Um, and I, I said L.A. or New York. I would be fine doing either. And it would just kind of, I'd have to adapt to either one, you know. Like, so I'm out here. She didn't want to go to New York at all. She's like, it's cold and grimy. And I was like, yeah, it is. So let's go to L.A. But here, it's like I don't, I don't do nearly as much stand-up as I used to. But in New York, I would certainly be going out way, way more for stand-up. But I'm just doing other stuff, you know? Are you finding as much joy in doing the other stuff, like the sketches and like the video stuff? Um, it's it's totally different in the fact that, like, I am, I really miss the, the, the immediate satisfaction of just doing a set. That's just not happening nearly as much. And stand-up audiences aren't the same out here, you know? It's a real, like, seen it all, uh, what's your, you know, what's your famous name kind of deal where that totally doesn't exist in Chicago. How often do you think about moving back to Chicago or Kansas City? Chicago, never. I don't think I could I could move back to Chicago as much as I love it. Um, I could move back to Kansas City, but only because my parents are getting old, you know? But, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to. Um, but it's one of those, well, if I need to, I can kind of deals. But I think I'd just like to stay in Los Angeles or if I got work, I'd go to New York, but I don't think I'd be anywhere else. Oh, you know what? I've been thinking about Texas. <laughs> I can't tell. Wouldn't you Texas can... be cool? No, I have been. Wouldn't, I think Texas would be kind of cool. Have you been to Texas? Yeah, yeah. I had a buddy that went to college there, and I visited, and it just seems like, uh, boy, <laughs> it's got its own attitude down there, doesn't it? <laughs> You know, I was in Omaha last year and had a blast. I'm, I do Omaha over Texas. Yeah? Okay. I don't know if I've been to Omaha. I feel like maybe, but I can't recall. I think you'd really like Omaha, especially because uh, it's like sort of Kansas City-ish in terms of like culturally hip, but not the city ever. Sure. I mean, Kansas City's not like super hip. You know, I don't know what you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> When you were in Chicago, how long did it take you to figure out who your friends were in the comedy scene? Um, pretty soon. I think, you know, you just make a couple friends right out of the gate because uh, the first move you make is you go to an open mic and you hate everyone. And then there's one person who does like a, a, a totally weird, bizarre joke. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll talk to this guy. Do you remember who that and person is? And then that is? turns out to be that turns out to be your friend there. And then, you know, slowly just kind of builds and then ah, and you're friends with everybody do you remember that first weirdo that you gravitated towards 100 percent. i i remember i was at um the now defunct edge comedy club open mic and it's called it's you know comedy club but it's not it's just a, it feels like a church basement um and it was yeah it was this guy aj conover was the first dude i met at an open mic um, he, he would do this bit where, uh, he would put on a, a fake mustache and, uh, have a box of like little Debbie's zebra cakes and he would run up on stage and just whip zebra cakes out in, into the audience and just scream about, we got zebra cakes and like just start screaming about it. And then he would run off and then come back without the mustache on like, Hey, did you guys see some zebra cake guy? <laughs> and I was like, okay, that guy's my friend. 
I was like, it's the dumbest thing at an open mic where <laughs> I don't know what you're, <laughs> I don't know what the end game of doing that at an open mic is. I was like, all right, this guy's funny. <laughs> so he's probably the first person I met. Uh, and he doesn't do, he barely did stand up after that. It was clearly not in the correct form for what he wanted to do. But one of the funniest dudes. How did you get involved with uh, Joe and CJ with the Late Live Show? Because your our show started at roughly the same time. I started in a dive bar, and you started at the most prestige, the most prestigious comedy club in the country. Well, that's I mean, so we started at Second City, and they have they have three theaters there: the main stage, the like the second stage, and then there's like a, a student stage, and then they made a fourth one that no one ever went to, <laughs> and we were in the fourth like 20 person seat, you know, stage. No, 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 but, no, stop, 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 stop. It was not 20 people. Maybe 40. Yeah. You said at least 40, maybe even 60, maybe 60. All right. It Don't might've sell been yourself short. You it guys, was... <laughs> I was, I went to the first show you guys ever did. It was packed. You could like, there was at least 60 people there. And I think you squeezed people in cause it was the first show. You guys always drew well. Don't just shit all over yourself. You'd had an amazing run there. All right, it was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you got me. It was great. But how did but you meet, I, how did you meet CJ and Joe? Uh, through stand up, and I'm trying to think if there was because I was basically like the guy I mentioned, AJ Conover. Uh, we were trying to put together like a two person sketch thing. We we're trying to film some sketches and stuff like that, and uh, so I think you know. Uh, Joe and uh, Joe Cozzola and CJ Toledano and uh, Andrew Smirker kind of came up with the idea for the show. And then they just asked both AJ and I to do it because they're like, oh, these guys are, you know, will provide a, a weird voice that they kind of are developing together. Um, and so, you know, I knew those guys to stand up anyway, but not like super tight until we started doing the show. You start doing the show, CJ has to leave because he gets an internship at Conan after the first season. And then you become the co-host and then the show lasts for how many more years? Um, I'm four, maybe I think roughly. Uh, one of the main reasons the show ended is because, uh, Joe and yourself moved to Los Angeles. CJ at the, uh, ended up going from that Conan internship to working for Fallon in New York and then back to LA. So by the end of the run, no one lived in Chicago. That's why it ended. Yeah, it, by the end, it was we were running out of people that were actually still there. So yeah, I, Joe and I and Dan Ronan and Chris Stevens and Andrew Smirker, everybody, well, so many people went to LA, and so we tried doing it out in LA too, but it didn't. That you know what? Turns out it uh, they've got uh, like Conan and Jimmy Kimmel out there. They don't need us. <laughs> But you, but the, show sort of, the, sh the show sort of exists in the other show that you do, which is the Wheel Show. Yeah, we, uh, well, we basically we had to start the Wheel Show because we just couldn't do the late live show anymore. Nobody cared, and we went to we put it up at IO West, which is you know just the the IO Theater, but out in LA, and we were having so much fun at the IO in Chicago. But the one out here is like. It's like on Hollywood Boulevard, the, the walk-in audience is just like, God, these people are like aliens, you know what I mean? And there's a nightclub right next door, which would just pound bass music through the walls. Like, you couldn't have a silent moment, like a pause or anything on the show. It'd be like you'd set up a joke and have a little bit of a 
a little wait time, and then it just like blasts you with dance music bass through the walls. You couldn't do a show properly in there. So it was kind of a bummer, but we're like, all right, we got to move, and we got to ditch the show, ditch the show idea because nobody wants to see that out here. So the wheel, sh- like, why do people want to see the wheel show over the late live show? Um, man, it's so silly. We have we've inside our group we've talked about it so much where it's just like we just want to do like a sketch comedy show and I think we'd be we'd be really good at it and then everyone's like well what's the gimmick and <laughs> every single place you go it has to have some kind of fucking goofy gimmick to do a show and so we're like I don't know how about you spin a wheel uh, <laughs> and so there's like sketches written on the wheel and then we just land on one and then we do those but and you have celebrity guests every episode uh yeah, we've had some pretty fun guests. Uh Lisa Loeb. That was that was a cool one. I I was I thought that was pretty cool. Um could I tell you I'm going to tell you regardless because I'm talking into a microphone. I had the dumbest thought last night about Lisa Loeb that if stay what? if stay was written in 2016, it would be about one it would be about a couple and, and one cu- one person in the couple like love the Ted podcast and the other person in the couple like hated the Ted Talk podcast. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it would be. Because uh, I, you know, in in the McAdam household, <laughs> I mean, there are there are party lines <laughs> about the Ted Talks. Another reason why I wanted to mention that is because uh, you and current Chicago and uh, Nicholas uh, Rowley, 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 uh, big old Nicky R, had an amazing big Nicky R, Nick Rowley. Yeah, <laughs> you had the only podcast that I listened to. Uh, the entire catalog without being on the show or the show like existing on NPR first. Yeah, that was, it was just like a total screw around show. It was so much fun. That was a blast. I miss doing that for sure. Stop. Stop. What was the name of the show? And please explain the show to the listener at home. It was called uh, revolutions per minute. It was just about music and just kind of chit chat. It's like a chit chat show about music. Uh, but, the it was basically we would just like sit around at Nick's apartment and just drink beer all night and just make a list of of uh, of songs that fit into a category for each episode. Like so, some episode one episode was about like fat guys in rock and roll, um, or you know whatever we do like holiday themed ones where we you know play holiday music. I don't know stuff like that. But there's uh there's just like. We were just doing this anyway, and then we were like, hey, let's record this, because Nick was my neighbor, lived down the block, and we would just drink beer all night and talk about music, and we're like, all right, let's, this is fun. This is fun enough for a show, we'll it's link, not like, We'll you know, link to the catalog in the podcast description, but the, the, the episodes that I enjoy the most, besides the last ones, because um, I think those are like reunion episodes or something like that, were uh, when your wives were on. I really enjoyed that episode, and I really enjoyed the episode that you and uh, Joe Quazala did about classic rock. Oh, excellent. Yeah, the the wives one was super fun because Nick and I are two of the only people that, you know, I hang out with a ton that are just married dudes trying to do comedy. And uh, and we don't like my wife is so, you know, like we're not <laughs> we're not those guys. If like, you've yeah, never, seen, if you've never seen big Nicky R on stage, he mostly talks about how much he likes to have intercourse with his wife. Yeah, no, he is, I would say, uh, perhaps Chicago's horniest stand-up comic. Has anyone ever called him Big Nicky R before? 
I mean, you know, in the in the sailor days, sure, who knows? But I don't know if anyone's calling him Big Nicky R anymore. Well, I think it's coming back. It's 2016. It's time for a change. Big Nicky R all the way. You, uh, Hell yeah. I think by doing this show with me and by just and knowing you and watching you, this sounds like I'm a real creep uh, and appreciating yeah. what you do. I think the reason why I gravitate towards you and your comedy and, and the non-comedy stuff is because in an ideal world, you would be my television executive. You would be my program director because you you create the kind of art that you could you kind. I wish I didn't have to search out for art. <laughs> exactly. Um, you, you, your your uh, your willingness to say fart over art is brilliant. Your willingness <laughs> to make a Godzilla remix project over anything is more important than any sincere art. That being said. <laughs> in revolutions permitted, you guys were able to genuinely appreciate things for what they are, but never take anything too seriously. Because at the end of the day, like, who gives a shit? Oh well, yeah, I think that's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I appreciate. It. I, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, I, I, I like comedy first and foremost. You know what I mean? Like, I was an obsessive kid about it, and. And we'd just be like, oh, I'm watching old VHS tapes of, like, the state special or whatever, you know. And just was a total obsessive nerd about comedy. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that I have good taste about it. But, again, like, good taste doesn't really mean anything outside of, like, you know, impressing a couple people. <laughs> your, your taste is interesting because I don't know if there's going to be this, like, the next generation, whatever is going to have that type of taste because you and I were some of the last crop of, we could find that state special or we could find that Nirvana bootleg, or we could find this weird film that only existed in Europe. So you had to get a bootleg VHS. But because of that, we would rewatch those things over and over and over again. Where now I'm this morning, I was watching like RuPaul uh, student films from like 1988, where they talk about how hard it is to be a go-go dancer. Like, I would, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't access that, and I, and be, and if I could access it, I would watch it religiously, and it would become part of the catalog. Where now I'm able to access everything, so I wonder if your comedy, like the way you form that, is ever going to happen again. Well, I, I, I want to, I want to have a conversation with you about it, but like off the podcast because I've got this fun idea. Sounds great. Let's get back to the Chicago uh, idea behind this whole thing. Um, I'm a competitive person, and I think Joe Kilgallen, I think, is another competitive person. Uh, he's been on the show before, and we're both sort of in the comedy world. He's really into it. I'm sort of into it. You're one of the few people, when I saw successes, and I wasn't really your friend yet, or even an acquaintance, I, I was not jealous because I knew you were better than me. Better than you? Oh, clearly, yes. You are a better performer and entertainer. You're a more likable man. The only... I know exactly where I stand. Like, I'm the guy that brought the ball to the playground. That's why I get to play, but I'll take the ball home. You know what I mean? I'm not the guy with the skill that anyone's drawing hey, first. Don't don't talk yourself down. It's a very good ball. It's a great <laughs> ball. I've been talking to the gang. We all love it. But, but, uh, but there's a lot of other people, though, that are mutual friends, mutual acquaintances, and they would just be like, they didn't deserve that. I, but I didn't get anything of that from you. And I wonder, clearly this is a flaw in my completely on my end. But I think that you have this weird sh like Midwestern niceness that a lot of people from Chicago think they have, but don't, but because you're not from Chicago, but grew up in that scene, you have. Um, I mean, I think there's, I, I'd like to think I'm nice, right? That's, 
mean, but that's what everybody says. I, <laughs> so that means a whole hell of a lot when everyone says that. But I don't know. I I get I can get petty and small and jealous. That happens. I try not to let it out. Do you let it out to your wife, or do you let it out to fellow comics? Who who knows when you're petty and small and jealous? Oh man, I mean, comics shit talking is just the most fun thing in the world to do. That's such a blast. I do with other comics all the time. It's great. I love finding a comic that loves to just just trash someone else. That's fun. And no one, you know what I mean? It's like, ah, no one's hurt. You just got to go hang out with somebody, and you're like, hey, can you believe that fucking idiot got that, blah, blah, blah. That's great. It's fun. I think that's a healthy outlet. But you seem to do it not with people that are peers. You seem to, like, punch up. Um, yeah, so like, how did the president get elected? Have you seen his, have you seen his TV5? Are you fucking kidding me? I All punch right. up, you know, I'm not going to take down the little guy. Um, what do you hope happens right now, like this week for you? Because this can't be fun for you to go from like, you, you're are you you're unemployed right now, and I'm assuming you don't have unemployment. No, I voluntarily ended my uh, my job, so I don't get I don't get unemployment. But I had to do it. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, if I don't, I'm listen. I'm getting I'm getting up there. I'm almost thirty two. You know, I'm I'm not going to be on any of those uh, funniest teenager lists anymore. <laughs> I gotta. I got to make something happen, and I needed to make sure that I didn't have a job standing in my way of doing it because it was honestly a time drain and an energy drain to to have it. So I just needed to get rid of it. Are you worried about rent? So this is it. This is the final push, and then in one year, I will. I'm I'm shooting my corpse into space. <laughs> so long, Los Angeles. I'm giving myself a, a hard out here. Uh, once again, for the listener at home, Joe, where are you calling from? I'm in Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los Angeles, California. And hey, can I uh, can I do a just kind of a public service announcement on on the show? Yes. I found a I found a driver's license for a Holly Martin uh, from San Diego. If uh, if she's listening, uh, Joe McAdam has your driver's license. I can I can meet you halfway. We can meet up in Carlsbad, um, but I got the license for you, Holly Martin. If you would like more information about Joe McAdam, go to joemcadam.com. The link is in the podcast description. Once again, I like him very, very much. If you would like more information about this show, go to Ubi Estimia Pod on Twitter or just type in Ubi Estimia in the Facebook uh, little tab and you'll find us. We're there. Uh, once again, we'll be at the Hungry Brain. Well, I will be at the Hungry Brain in Chicago, Illinois on Thursday, May 26, hosting You, Me, Them, Everybody Live. Go to youmethemeverybody.com for more information. Our theme songs are by Daniel Knox, and our art is by Dmitry Samarov. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night.